Hey, thanks for tuning in. We have a special guest today, Heidi St. John, who's running for Congress up in the communist state of Washington. Stick around. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. Watergate matter, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. One Thanks for tuning in and joining us. We are going to have a special conversation with our friend Heidi St. John, who's running for Congress up in Washington State. Thanks for joining us this morning, Heidi. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to see you guys again. <laughs> we uh, became well acquainted a few weeks ago and said we wanted to do this together, so I'm glad that we have this opportunity and we want to let people know what you're doing up in Washington State. What is the condition? People want to be informed what's happening. We know what's going on in our backyard. But every state on the West Coast, California, Oregon, and Washington, are really in the same progressive leftist headspace when it comes to taking away people's liberty and bringing in a socialist, communist type of regime, and we feel it like this incredible uh, tsunami that's coming towards us. In the last couple of weeks, Governor Newsom here in California, because they have, uh, California has a pretty much a full-time state legislature rather than breaks in between, so he has signed this uh, last couple of weeks since his recall some uh, 770 laws into and just regulation things and ridiculous. It's unbelievable. And so tell us what is going on. First of all, who is Heidi St. John? You're a mom and an author and a uh, homeschooling proponent. Tell us a little bit about yourself for those who don't know you, Heidi. Well, I've been uh, in the fight for freedom now for a long time, you know, as my podcast says, off the bench and onto the battlefield. Uh, Jay and I have seven children. We just celebrated our 32nd wedding anniversary. We have three grandkids now. I'm the author of eight books. 
And uh, I run a ministry to mothers called Mom Strong International, which really is my heart toward these moms to say, the culture has told you that what you're doing is little more than just a stopover on the highway of life. You know, the schools say, give your kids to them and let them do the heavy lifting. They'll do the hard work and you go out and get a job and support your family. And I want moms to know that what they're doing uh, is gonna resonate and reverberate throughout eternity and why motherhood and why fatherhood is so important. And so uh, to that end, we write Bible studies every single month. We're working our way through the book of First Timothy right now over at Mom Strong International and uh, trying to encourage thousands of women there to know the word. Uh, you know, Rick, something that you and I had talked about last time we were together was that um, we have a very, where we're living right now in a generation of biblically literate Christians. So, right, so men and women who don't know God's word and can't defend it in one of the most terrifying moments in the history of our nation. And God has a lot to say about government. So we're talking about all those things and uh, it's just been, I'm excited to see what God will do. And frankly, I'm encouraged. Uh, we see the children of God getting engaged all over the country. Uh, my run for Congress is just one of those examples. And I'm hoping that, you know, people say, well, the Heidi St. John, this homeschool mom of seven, if she can run for Congress, surely I can, I can run for school board. Surely I can get on the library board and show up to my city council meetings. I'm hoping to inspire a generation. That's so encouraging to see you engaged in the fight. And I think it will be very inspirational. We had the youngest congressman here with us this weekend, Madison Cawthorn, a congressman yes. from North Carolina. And so here's a, a young guy, the youngest at, at the age of, he was running when he was 24 and barely had his 25th birthday before the election. And so whether it's a, and he was homeschooled all the way through. And so um, his mom is his hero. She inspired him and strengthened him, and now he's in the halls of Congress, uh, zipping through. He said, "On marble, his uh, wheelchair can really fly." <laughs> and so, so it it look out, and uh, he's bold and he's courageous and he's standing for liberty. But don't you? I, I see this visibly as you kind of pull back in a more telescopic or long view, as biblical illiteracy has went down in America. Bondage, bondage and tyranny has risen. And those two seem to be connected because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty and the Lord Jesus sets us free. And so Christians, a Judeo-Christian ethic, understands liberty and freedom from, first of all, the tyranny from within, sin, the world, the flesh, and the devil, but also in a uh, society that's governed by those things. So David Barton was just with us and he said out of the professing uh, Christians in America, only 9% of them read their Bibles. So if, if you don't have God's Word in your heart, you're not going to live it or have a biblical worldview because you don't think the way God thinks if you don't know what His heart is from God's Word. So uh, what a wonderful thing for moms. Uh, is it Mom Strong International? Yeah, Mom Strong International, and and my heart so resonates with yours and uh, with everything that you guys are doing at Godspeak because we are living right now in a very dangerous time for freedom in the United States. And you're right, the Bible teaches us where, where the Spirit of God is, there's freedom, there's liberty. And right now we're living in a time of incredible deception. So we've got yeah. this deception in the in the country right now that's being manifested itself, right, in many, many ways from a virus with a 99.9% .9 survival rate, which has shuttered the entire nation and literally brought it to its knees. If Christians understood 
if they understood God's word, they would recognize the spirit of fear immediately, right? This is Paul mm-hmm. talking to the apostle, uh, the apostle Paul talking to Timothy, getting ready to send him out onto the battlefield. I mean, this mm-hmm. guy was going up against the Romans. These were people that hung people, hung Christians upside down for sport in the city square. And mm-hmm. I can imagine Timothy, young Timothy, getting ready to take on this assignment was probably afraid. But Paul, having been there and, and done that, you know, leans into Timothy and he's like, come on, dude, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. This, this is not from the Lord. And this fear that we have seen settle over this nation like a cold, wet blanket. You know, anyone who knows anything about God knows that fear is not from him. That's not the fear that produces righteousness. That's not the fear of the Lord. Uh, this is the fear of man. And, mm-hmm. and the church needs to recognize it. And we've been slow on the draw in the church. And I think a large part of the reason is because we don't know the word and we can't defend it. And that has to be the first line of defense for every believer right now. Yeah, that's right. Because, you know, Solomon said it so well in his wisdom. He said, the fear of man is a snare, but those who trust in the Lord will be safe. And so you see this disconnect, this split down the middle of the country, those who are not dominated by fear and those who have a conservative perspective. And almost all people, if you go upstream from their conservative perspective, if they're not walking with the Lord now, they, you'll find out that their parents or their grandparents were because it's a legacy that slowly gets weaker. Their liberty and their conservative attitude gets weaker with generations, just like we see observed in the children of Israel, right? They, they slowly turn their back on God and they have to have a revival. Every generation needs to have its revival and every generation needs to have a strong stand for liberty. And uh, so you're uh, a mom of seven, you're a homeschooler, you're an author, you're inspiring mothers, and you think about what's going on in your district, and you're like, hey, somebody's got to stand up for righteousness. Somebody's got to stand up for liberty. Somebody's got to stand up. Tell us about that process with you and Jay coming to that conclusion and praying through it to throw your hat in the ring of what you and I know is really a a mud hole of ugliness. Yeah, it is. Uh, We had an inkling that God was going to be calling me into this sphere. You know, I believe that Christians belong in every sphere of culture. So we belong in in music. We belong in entertainment. We belong in education. We belong in so many more places than the church, and we've relegated ourselves to the church. And Christians belong in politics. You know, the Bible teaches us that when uh, when the wicked are in power, the righteous groan. Well, there's a lot of groaning happening uh, right now in the country. And we're learning a very hard lesson. It's not enough for somebody to put an R or a D after their name and run for office. We need men and women of integrity, men and women who are principled. Why are we running? You know, why do we get into politics? And so this was the first question that uh, Jay and I asked ourselves, you know, way back in January, like you and the rest of the country, uh, we were we just sat in stunned disbelief when President Trump apparently lost uh, his election. And I think, you know, I think the Democrats were on to him. I think they were stunned when he won the first time, and there was no way they were going to let that happen again. And then January 6th happened. And then my representative, Jamie Herrera Butler, voted to impeach the president on hearsay. Well, that's not how it works in this country. And it was a salient moment for me because I just remembered thinking, I don't feel represented by this by this person. And I voted for her for five years. For, so for 10 cycles, I uh, have voted for her, or for five cycles, rather. She's been there for 10 years. And I texted a friend of mine who's a retired state representative, and I just said, how do I run? You know, kind of tongue-in-cheek. 
I didn't really mean it. You know, I was like, how do I ride? You know, what could I do? And she said, boy, I've been waiting for this phone call for, from you for a long time. And she said, let's, let's talk about what it would look like for you to run for office. And that began, that was the beginning of Jay and I really spending weeks. I mean, it was probably six weeks that we went before the Lord in prayer. We knew we were counting the cost. And the cost, as you know, because I spent quite a bit of time talking with you a few weeks ago, the cost has been high. Uh, We've had our our reputation, you know, mine smeared all over this county and the district, you know, just outright lies. You can say anything you want to on the Internet. They, you know, they try to close my business down. Uh, And I'd already given up, you know, my literary agent fired me in 2018 or 2019, rather, over my support of President Trump. So I've already been fired from my from my company that had represented me as an author. And now we decided to let's get into the blood sport, which is politics. Right. But we didn't do it haphazardly. We called, you know, pastors that we knew, you know, Jack Hibbs and and pastors from around the country that we love and respect who know us and know our ministry. And the Lord so clearly said, this is what I want you to do. It's not about winning. It's about obedience. It's about, uh, it's about showing people that, that, that freedom is worth fighting for. And that's a large part of what I'm trying to do is just say, this is, this is a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. The church has misapplied Romans 13 in this whole pandemic. You know, God institutes authority, right? He has set up this wonderful structure. We have a structure for authority. But when wicked people are in power, the righteous have an opportunity and an obligation to stand against it. And so that is a large part of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, we, we got all of our children together and we met with them and with this retired state representative before I announced a run. And she told us the good, the bad, and the ugly, and it was mostly bad and ugly. <laughs> uh, and I thought for sure that my older kids, especially, and my son-in-law, I thought for sure that they would say, oh, no, you know, we don't want our mom doing that, you know. But instead, my son-in-law said, man, mom, I really think you were born for this. And when that happened, the rest of the kids, one by one, were like, you know, we're in. And so they're in it. We didn't just jump into this thing. We knew it would be hard, uh, and we knew it would cost us something. And we're willing to leave everything on the field for freedom. And I would like to see more people, more men and women of character. Listen, if we get just good people into office, but they don't have access to the living God, and they don't have the Holy Spirit inside of them, the battle that we're facing is spiritual in nature. You know, 90% of the things that we're talking about up on Capitol Hill are moral at their root. These are spiritual issues, and it requires people of spiritual discernment. And God's people need to engage instead of disengage. You know, we've been we've been taught forever that we're not to talk about politics and religion in the church, right? Those are the two things that we can never talk about at Thanksgiving. And I'm telling the American people, hey, Thanksgiving's right around the corner. I say, pass the turkey and let's talk about politics and Thanksgiving. Let's yeah. bring these conversations back into our homes and make it a centerpiece of, of what we do because we're going to lose our freedom if we don't start to defend it. So this was a huge reason for my run. Uh, I really want people to know we, we have counted the cost. We prayed about it. We know this is what God wants us to do. And win or lose, we're going to fight this thing with everything that's in us, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. That's what God asks us to do. Amen. And I love, you really have to have that tenacious uh, perspective that I think it was John Quincy Adams that said, duty is ours, results are God's. So your duty, you're you're called to this. However, this turns out with the results, we leave that in God's hands. We're going to do our best, uh, whatever our hand finds to do, we're going to do it with all of our might. And that's what you and Jay are doing there in Washington. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the reality is our, our country is a, in a spiritual problem 
a crisis. So we need a spiritual revival. So on a couple of levels, if the church was praying and preaching and being the lean, mean preaching machine it should be, people would be getting saved, like in the Great Awakening, right, across America. But then to be salt and light in every single strata of our culture, in every, like you said, in the arts, in entertainment, wherever they are, people should know a Christian on their athletic team or wherever it is. So we've We've fallen into this ditch because of habit that we need to now pull apart and unpack. And that is, you're uh, a conservative person would say, I'm a Republican, family-oriented, God-oriented. But now we have a whole generation of rhinos that even have their own acronym that means Republican in name only that no longer stand for those things, but they run under this, this moral banner it's like a school that has a statement of faith, but the, the indoctrination at the school no longer lines up with a statement of faith. And you're like, hey, how come you guys don't change your statement of faith? You no longer believe the Bible. You no longer believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, you know, and you go down the list. But they know if they change that statement, they'll lose that support. So they want to have a statement of faith that does not align with their actual politics and that was somewhat of the, the situation with the person that you're running against, correct? Or, I mean, that, yeah. that was in the office. They're not running. We'll talk about your, your other uh, uh, person that you're running against in a moment. But yeah. um, tell me about the, the rhino situation and what you're discovering in this run. Yeah, and I think this has been actually heartbreaking for me. You know, uh, I had... a a certain amount of faith in our political system. And I would say that faith has been shattered in the last six months. You know, I think we assume like a lot of people that when someone runs and they put an R behind their name, that they're a Republican, that they stand for freedom and uh, fiscal conservatism, for goodness sake. I mean, that's the, the one of the hallmarks of the Republican Party. We stand for life, for the defense of the unborn. Uh, we, we really, the Republicans are the party of freedom. This is the party of Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln would not recognize most of the Republicans in this party today. I do not believe. And when we give someone the, the, the label, you know, rhino, Republican in name only, I always tell uh, parents and, and just voters, it's not enough anymore to vote just the, the ticket. You know, I see an R, I vote straight ticket. You know, we can assume that if someone's running as a Democrat, the Democrat Party stands for almost everything that I'm opposed to as a Christian, right, as a woman of faith. And so that's a, that's a non-starter for me. But I trusted that people who ran as Republicans shared my values. And what I'm learning is that they don't. They oftentimes don't. This has become very much about power and control. This is the opposite of what the founding fathers had in mind when they set up a system of representative government. You know, we're supposed to be coming back to our districts, living in our districts, working among the people there, knowing their concerns, get educated about what the issues are that are facing them, and then taking those challenges to the floor of the House of Representatives and arguing on behalf of the people. That is the job, to protect the national defense, to fund things that are good and that will uh, advance the causes of the people that we represent. Unfortunately, now, you see many of these uh, people have been in office for a long time, and they've, they've become uh, beholden to special interests. There are so many games that are being played in Washington, D.C. I was there several months ago shadowing a friend of mine, Representative Mary Miller, and we uh, I went to meetings with her. I just watched what she did. And my husband asked me later, how's, how's it going? 
I said, did you realize that a lot of these seats, you know, you want committees? Well, guess what? That's going to cost you. This is wrong. You know, and so there are, I, I think a lot of rate ways the Lord has asked me because I have a platform and he's given me the gift of communication. I think part of the reason why uh, God asked me to be in this race was to expose a lot of the wickedness that is happening at the upper echelons of our culture and in politics on both sides of the aisle. And if we care about this, if it's important to us, then we need to start studying who these people are not just the party that they purport to represent, but the actual people themselves and make sure that we're getting people of integrity who will not be ruled by the swamp. It's swampy on both sides. And I think that's what I have been so disheartened to discover. Mm-hmm. The swamp is, is real and it's not just in the Democrat party. And I think people need to realize that. Yeah, David Barton was sharing with us and just really being a congressional historian himself that um, he's, he said the three branches of government, the executive, legislative, and the judicial, um, no longer are running the nation. But there's a fourth um, group, which he said, you can call it the swamp. They are long-term um, government officials, oftentimes yeah. many that are unelected, and they're yeah. controlling this narrative. Now, President Trump wanted to drain the swamp you're obviously uh, supportive of President Trump, and then you're running against someone that uh, President Trump has endorsed. Uh, yeah. in, that you, right? So, kind of unpack that for us, because obviously it's a beneficial thing if you're running as a, I mean, for the lack of a better term, a Trump Republican, <laughs> right? Somebody that's actually going to fight the swamp and and try to make a difference. Um, just. Explain that to the people that are, are, are watching. Yeah, I mean, that's it's a great question. I had uh, one of the, the, the greatest, I think, privileges of my life was to meet President Trump. I met him back in the spring. I continue to support his policies. He, he ranks right up there. You know, I'm a Reagan girl. I'm a Reagan conservative. It says a lot, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for me to support a president as much as I have supported President Trump. Uh, I, I believe in his policies and continue to support the work that he's doing for America. I think he loves his country. He's not a perfect man, and he's going to make mistakes. And frankly, in this race, he's made a terrible mistake. I've watched him make mistakes now in endorsing uh, Governor Abbott, for example, in Texas. That was a terrible endorsement as far as I'm concerned. He endorsed a man running out of Pennsylvania, which I'm not sure why he endorsed that person. What I'm seeing happening is uh, and the president is surrounded, you know, he's not an island. He's surrounded by people who are giving him advice and counsel. And for whatever reason, uh, they convinced him to endorse my opponent. This is a man who is, was as late as November of 2020, a registered Democrat out of Portland, Oregon. Listen, I grew up in Portland. You don't just register as a Democrat in Portland unless you're actually a Democrat in Portland, right? So this guy will tell you, well, I was part of this thing called Operation Chaos. I'm not buying it. Uh, you know, so many of the, uh, the, the policies that my opponent is talking about on the run, limiting personal property rights, making sure that the rich pay their fair share, things like that. These are Democrat talking points. And if it looks like a Democrat, talks like a Democrat, walks like a Democrat, votes like a Democrat, it's probably mm-hmm. a Democrat. So uh, I understand the president's uh, admiration for my opponent. He, he served in the military for 20 years. His wife was killed in Syria in 2019 by a suicide bomber. I respect, the, obviously, the sacrifice of his wife and the, and the service uh, of this man. I would like to see him spend time with his young boys who now don't, do not have a mother. 
Uh, and I'd like to see him put roots down. He's not from this area. He's only lived here. He's been a Republican for about a year and three months. He's lived in my district for about a year and four months. And I'd like to see him put roots down here and demonstrate that he has the heart of the people uh, in mind before he runs for Congress. And so uh, I'm disappointed in the president's endorsement. I continue to support the president. You know, I've, there's been a lot of pressure on me to get out of this race. Early on, you know, uh, when I'm, you know, I'm a brand new uh uh, person in the political realm. So I've been an author and a speaker and a mother for the last 18, you know, well, 30 years as a mother, but uh, this is my first foray into politics. And I made a mistake at the very beginning. They asked me in a public forum if I would endorse whoever Trump endorsed. Well, at the time, this is March earlier of this year, right after the impeachment, things were hot and heavy. And I, not knowing my opponents, really just assumed a Republican is a Republican. This is what I mean. Just because someone says they're a Republican does not mean that they stand for Republican values. And had I known then what I know now, I never would have said that I would endorse whoever the president endorsed. I figured whoever the president endorsed would be a dyed-in-the-wool conservative, would have a track record of conservatism. And that's not the case with the person that he's endorsed in my race. And so I cannot, in good faith, get out of the race knowing what I know about this person. If I had known he was a registered Democrat in Portland as late as 2020, I never would have said, sure, I'll support him. If I'd known he owned a house outside the D.C. Beltway, I never would have said I would endorse him. These are things I learned after the fact. And so I actually think that makes me a good person to represent the people of the district because it tells the people of CD3 that when new information is given to me, I will not dig my heels in and pretend like that new information doesn't exist. We have to move with the information that we have at the time. And when new information is given, if that changes the way that I see things, then I'm going to be, I'm going to make the best decision based on the information I have at the time. So I'm going to keep running this race. I know in my heart, I'm the right person to represent the people here. I've already been working for them for 17 years. I've already been to the state house and, uh, and been working on behalf of the people. 16 years ago, I went and I met with uh, Maria Cantwell, who was our state senator at the time, and she's still our state senator. She needs to go. Uh, but I've been working for these for the for the people of Washington State for a long time, and so this is a next step for me. I cannot wait to go toe to toe with AOC and Nancy Pelosi. These women are not going to know what hit them when they have the opportunity to talk to me, because the issues that we're facing right now, uh, the, what they're trying to do is silence debate. They silence mm -hmm. discourse because they know that our ideas can win if we can just get them out into the public square. This is why YouTube takes people down. This is why I continue to get locked out of Facebook for 30 days at a time, because they want to silence dissent and they want to silence the discussion. The discussion needs to be had in this country, and I'm ready for the fight, and I'm hoping that the people of Washington State will send me. And if they don't, I'm going to continue to fight for Washingtonians and for freedom wherever God allows me to use my voice. Yeah, that's awesome. So it is ugly, though. What are some of the things your family has experienced besides just smear and just flat out lies? Because we live in an environment now, uh, as you said uh, earlier, basically people now are, are believed to be guilty until proven innocent rather than the other way around, right? Uh, the assumption of innocent until proven guilty. And now with the social narrative, and we saw this in, in so many races, even with President Trump, is they throw out these lies and it bogs things down. And then when the truth comes out and they print a retraction five months later, it doesn't even matter because they've done the damage through their ugly machine. 
in a, in a local, smaller way, what is the St. John family going through or, uh, you know, how, how's it un unfolding for you in that real world scenario? Yeah, I, I think this is another thing that has been, I expected in a Republican primary, because that's what I'm running in right now, right? It's just a Republican mm -hmm. primary. We have a jungle primary here in Washington State, unfortunately, which means it's the two top people. It could be two Democrats, two Republicans. Uh, the two top people will will uh, rise to the top, and then they'll duke it out in November. But I really thought that there would be a civility in politics. It's part of the reason why people don't want to run. Right. Even in the Republican primary, you're watching people, you know, I've been accused of everything from trying to cover up the sexual abuse of a minor to filing bankruptcy to not paying my federal taxes, you know, and all of this stuff, uh, you know, just flat out lies. But you're absolutely right. People don't read past the headline. They don't want to do their homework. And and nobody knows. No one should know this better than uh, President Trump, who was the victim of fake news for his entire presidency. Right. They tried to shut him up because they didn't want to hear what he had to say. That's what's happening to me. My opponent does not want to hear. He doesn't want people to hear that I can argue the issues articulately. And so what they would rather do is smear my my name and my reputation uh, with lies, if necessary, and 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 coercion and threatening. You know, I've been threatened. I've had people. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like I told you when I was with you the last time, and people call me on the phone. My phone now reads like a who's who uh, in politics in the United States. But it's a reminder that this battle is far from about just Republican versus Democrat. This is actually good versus evil at this point. And yes. uh, we have been running a campaign that has said, listen, let's focus on the issues. I know that I'm the right person to represent the people here. I understand the issues that are facing uh, Congressional District 3. And what I don't understand, and there will be things I don't understand, I want to learn. And who's the best teacher? It's the people of CD3 who are living these issues day in and day out, who have, who will have in me a representative who wants to actually listen to them and represent them. And I think that is what they're trying to keep from happening. Uh, they're threatened by my voice, and so therefore they want to threaten me. And I will not be bullied, and I will not be intimidated out of the race. And I don't think they saw that coming. I think, oh, they were like, oh, this is just a homeschool mom. You know, she's going to get out of the race as soon as we accuse her of A, B, and C. And actually, you guys, my uh, my conversation with President Trump read like a real-life uh, uh, episode from The Apprentice, right? So it's just me and him. His secretary came in a few minutes into it, and he started asking me about some of these lies. You know, Heidi, I see that you filed bankruptcy. And I was sitting there thinking, where is this coming from? Heidi, I see that your business was closed for failure to pay federal taxes. And finally, I was like, no, sir, with all due respect, everything that you're reading about me right now is a lie coming down from my opponent. And so I had an opportunity to, and that was just the beginning of them. You know, uh, Pastor Rob was just here in my district. And the day after he left uh, the campaign, these guys that are running against me called the church and threatened the church if they didn't host an event for him. These things are concerning. And I think they should concern the people of CD3 because people will govern how they campaign. And yeah. uh, I have been campaigning on a platform of, hey, I have, I've got a message. I want people to hear the message. I want them to meet me and, uh, and determine for themselves whether or not I can represent them. And I think it's wrong that anyone outside of the district would want to put their finger on the scales here and determine who should run for the seat in Washington state. This decision should be made by the citizens of Washington state, not by anyone outside of the district, not by General Flynn, not by President Trump, as much as I appreciate him. This decision belongs to the people of Washington state. 
and the bullying and intimidation that is happening to me to try to get me to drop out of this race isn't going to work. I'm going to stay in the race. I didn't get in it for the endorsement of anyone except for the people of CD3. And that's the endorsement that I am after. And so I'm going to continue to run. We've got, you know, a year ahead. We've got, you know, the, the election is next November. I've got a lot of time still left in front of me to meet the people here and and hear their concerns and let them know that I can represent them. And I don't want to stay in D.C. Now, I actually like it here. <laughs> I want to stay where my grandkids are. I want to stay where uh, our business is and the, and the people that we have worked so hard to represent. You know, we run the Homeschool Resource Center here. Uh, Pastor Rob got to see it about a week ago, and we're serving 1,400 students right now, helping parents have solutions for the disaster that is the public school system. Mm. And I'm going to continue to do that. I'm all about solutions and working with people. I love the people here. My heart is here. And uh, I'm going to work hard to represent them. So that's my story, Rick, and I'm sticking to it. That's a great story. So really, like Esther, for such a time as this, you believe the Lord has called you to do this, and you're going to represent the people. And there's all these voices. Uh, you don't need man's endorsement. You're not worried about the bullying. You're going to trust God. Uh, if God is for you, who can be against you? And you're just going to run it to the end and see what the Lord does. Yeah, that's right. And I think every person listening to this, I want them to see themselves that same way. There's a lot yeah. of fear in the culture right now, but every yeah. person within the sound of our voice, you guys were born for this. You were born for this time in history. God's not up in heaven scratching his head going, man, I sure picked the wrong people for this one. No, yeah. he, he wants to work with us and he wants to work through us. And we have an opportunity right now with the Lord's help to stand for freedom. The gospel will thrive no matter where and no matter what happens to the to the country here the truth mm -hmm. of the gospel will be proclaimed That's but right. we stand for freedom for all people for all yeah. religions for all faiths mm -hmm. for all whatever whatever uh, background you come from uh, christians stand for freedom and mm -hmm. we always have and we always will and now that freedom is actually truly being threatened and so yeah. i want uh, christians to go you know what just like esther i was born That's for right. this I was born for this time in history, every single person listening to this. Well, I believe you were born for this. And may the Lord just bless you in your endeavor, strengthen you and Jay and with your kids. You have a large tribe there just with the family, with the kids and the grandkids. And so we want the very best for Heidi St. John. May the Lord go before you and prepare the way. Thanks for joining us today, Heidi. Thanks for having me. It's been a joy to be here. God bless you guys. Till next time. See you soon. Hey guys, thanks for watching. For more information, head over to VintageMcCoy.com or follow us on Instagram at The Vintage McCoy. We'll see you there.